Welcome to Commentary Trek. My name is Webb and he's Mike. This is the chronicle of two men trying to obtain a deeper appreciation for cinema by seeking out filmmaker commentaries, while also justifying unnecessary physical and digital film purchases. In this inaugural episode, our heroes celebrate the 40th anniversary of the Ridley Scott science fiction horror classic, Alien. is a film that uh, of the uh, of the franchise that I think I ever saw was Aliens in um, on TV. I just saw certain scenes and they freaked me out so much I couldn't watch more than uh, a few minutes. And then you know eventually you become a cinephile or self-proclaimed and you go back and you watch some of the, you go through the IMDb top 250. I think that's the that's the gateway into uh, into it. It's all messed up is, now. Is that the gateway? For me it was because immediately after I watch a film I type it into Google and the IMDb profile would come up. And if I had seen one of the selected 250 films, then it would say it's number da, 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 of 250. And I'd be all excited. I was like, Oh, I watched one of the 250 greatest films of all time. Are you get the heck out of here? You're, so. you're making me feel really old. Cause I'm <laughs> <laughs> my way of doing it was does the VHS box look cool <laughs> that, was, that was my way of getting into stuff eventually when i started purchasing uh, um films that that is one of the barometers i use and that's how i got into the criterion collection because throne of blood was my first one and it was just like such a such great artwork and i read the back and it was all about uh, um the, the feudal japan setting and everything i was right into it so uh yeah no i i totally get that granted it wasn't uh, it was a dvd and not a vhs but still I'll tell you my origin story with it, uh, kind of harkening back to those video store days, was it was actually kind of strange, like, it was strange then, it's kind of even stranger now, thinking back on it, was um, my cousin lived, like, a few towns over, and he was, like, he was, I think he was a freshman in college at that point, and I was in middle school, and for some reason, my aunt called up my mom and asked if it would be, like, cool if I, like, spent the night over at their house, like hung out with my cousin. We had only ever interacted like at like big family Christmases where like, you know, there's like, it's like, you know, Hobbiton, there's like 40 people or something like, and you just like shake their hand. You're like, Hey, how was your year? Good. Yeah. Mine is <laughs> next year's too. See you next Christmas. I thought someone was dying. I was like, okay, someone has got some sort of like disease or something where they're like, I'm like, are they checking me off the box? Like I never really connected with little Mike. So we're going to do this. Uh, I say that even now because we never did this again. <laughs> like, There's like, I went over, hung out with this, like my older cousin. And I don't know if he was in trouble, if he was grounded or something where it's like, you need to reconnect with your family. Uh, but he was basically uh, given the task of like 
taking me to the movies and like going to the video store. And I remember um, this would have been about the mid nineties. And uh, I think like species was relatively new. Oh yeah. And he yeah. was like, it's like, Oh, this is, you know, you're into movies, kid. And you know, this is, you know, it's aimed at like teenagers and it's got this hot naked girl in it. Definitely. He's Definitely. like, he's like, it's like aliens. It's like aliens, but you know, there's like boobs in it. And I'm <laughs> like, I've never seen aliens. He's like, what? And so he immediately goes, you know, we go to the sci-fi section. We get aliens off the right. Aliens or and alien? Aliens. Okay. Okay. And so he's like, cool. So you've never seen aliens. He's like, so yeah, I mean, you've seen alien. I'm like, no, I've never seen alien either. And he like looked at me like, <laughs> I didn't realize I was gonna have to like totally educate this kid. So he actually grabbed, so my trilogy, uh, he didn't pick up alien three, which was that at the time, but he picked up alien aliens and species. And that was my like original way of watching the alien trilogy was species. And I think some people may say that that was better off. I actually kind of dig alien three a little bit. I'm not as crazy as people who say it's like the best in the series, like yeah, the I agree. hot take nutbags. But yeah. So for me, uh, it's hard to separate this classic from Natasha Henstrich, topless in <laughs> jacuzzi. That's pretty great. Yeah, and you know what? It's a I, good way to see it. I will say that uh, about your cover art, uh, um, like you look at the original poster, and I think for the most part, mo- uh, um, the the VHSs and, and everything, you're gonna have the uh, the egg and like the crack and and yeah. you know a possible like a green uh, or, or some kind of shadow coming out of it. And that's great, and that's a great way to sell something. Uh, when I hit the uh, um, you know play button on my iTunes and everything, and I saw the new updated 40th anniversary is is like a very glossy image of the actual alien, kind of giving it all away. And so, and that does not accurately portray the pacing and and the level of commitment that I think you have to go into with the with this film. So. Also, talk about lighting up a room because I was like watching it before the sun came up this morning. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like it just opened my like blinding light. I, th- I thought it was gonna get, like a dark screen, ominous music. No, uh, very bright, which I, you could probably like key into if you're a collector, like your entryway into this alien saga. Because for me, it was like a black trilogy box set. Yeah. Like that was very sort of very sort of like classy looking and everything. And, uh, yeah, now, now there's a lot more blue. I feel like The Matrix, not to get too off task, but like The Matrix was another one where I, I like remember it as being purple. Yes. Like that was, was like the, the marketing. And purple, then it's, yeah. like, but then like the sequel's like, no, we're green now. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you, like back, the purple. if you go back and rewatch the, the film, it still has that green tint. For whatever reason, the marketing is blue and purple. <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. What did you think of Alien after you saw it for the first time? I mean, I always, uh, it's hard for me to separate because they were so closely aligned with the sequel, which actually made it the watching aliens that night. So jarring. Cause it was like, Whoa, this is, I got like Bill Paxson, like screaming in my face, like, <laughs> like, yeah. and, like big guns. And like, it was like an early nineties, like image comic. It's like what aliens is to me. Just Definitely. like, I, I mean, this one, I always had the preference to it because the, uh, I guess maybe the more grounded nature, which was interesting, like listening to the commentary where it's like. I don't know. A good ten minutes of it is Ridley Scott being like, "Yeah, it's horseshit, but it looks better. My way looks better." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no atmosphere. There's no sound. Bullshit. Oh, we need some. <laughs> we need some rain to you know for Harry Dean Stanton's death scene. Put some water in there. It'll look cool. And some chains. Why chains? I don't know. Because I would. I need something to move. <laughs> so, um, I realize it's not scientifically grounded, but unlike the sequel, where it's like you know 
men slash women on a mission, like to like do this thing. Very, uh, camp- I like, very James Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love aliens too. Um, I, I like that they're, you know, in this one, there's often characters being like, mm, I don't know what that is. And I don't know if I'm totally comfortable with this. <laughs> like, you know, maybe we should bail. <laughs> Which, I mean, unlike other, you know, horror movies where they're like, and they, they reference that in the commentary as well, really, Scott, like, you know, the dark, ominous house that they're in. Uh, there's not an easy way out. It's not like, let's just leave the, the house where the boogeyman is. Like, we're in fucking space. Um, I, I like that a lot more than they're like, yeah, let's go kill these big monsters over there with guns. The genres that uh, uh, both films delve in, I think, are different. Aliens is very much a, a you know a horror sci-fi action adventure where Alien sticks to its uh, uh, like roots. As as um, uh, Dan O'Bannon, uh, one of the many people on this commentary, and uh, by the way, in retrospect, that was a mistake because at times I was like, who is speaking to me? I actually put subtitles on for the commentary so that the it would tell me it would key in like oh like you know not that I need no like. Now, is that Miss Sigourney Weaver? Like, I knew. But yeah, anyone else uh, extra on there? Yeah, I was happy to have the name to kind of follow through a little bit easier. I think the only time I knew who was talking was Harry Dean Stanton because he was... He has my favorite line. Before you get into, like, the serious, uh-huh. like, discussion, uh, the, like, I have, like, four or five little lines. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I want to bring that up. Uh, about seven minutes in, when you have all of the uh, characters waking up from their <laughs> cryogenic sleep, <laughs> not even prompted, like, you know, what what's the backstory? What was your character like? What do you think upon waking? He just offered this up saying, uh, I was thinking about pussy the whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, there's a proud uh, Kentucky moment there. Like, you know, we have murals of this great man on our walls here in Lexington. So I was very pleased by that. I wrote that in my Apple Notes app right as soon as I heard it. And I was like, gotta bring this up. And then even in the oil, well, the credits are scrolling i think um uh, they were talking about how maybe we need to communicate with the alien and harry dean sand is like how are we going to communicate with this thing blah 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 <laughs> as if like he thinks was we're, we're going to communicate totally put off by it doesn't he have the last line in the commentary where he's like can i go now <laughs> <laughs> yeah no idea what he was doing there but but i'm so happy that he was there Yeah, I, I I think it was a mistake to um, have all these characters. And obviously they were not all there together. It was cut and paste. Cut and paste some of uh, even Ridley Scott. Like, I know he's with Sigourney Weaver, but it sounds like at times there was like a separate solo yes. track. Now, I've not listened to the uh, previous one. What year was the one that he's on? Probably the uh, mid or late 90s, I would imagine. This is because this is the 2003. Yes, uh, this is a quadrilogy version. release. Yeah. Um, and and I would I would think that like you know one day maybe I'll go back but even Ridley Scott is kind of dry I remember listening to his Alien Covenant commentary and I was like and he oftentimes narrates what's happening on screen and also he's it's, it's like watching a movie with somebody who's already seen it and they're like like oh you're gonna like this get ready for this he has all those moments <laughs> I was like come on man you don't like having Sir Ridley Scott as a hype man for his own product. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll go back and listen to that. But Dan O'Bannon, one of the things that he mentioned was that I wanted Alien to be this Roger Corman, you know, total uh, um, uh, uh, fright fest. But 
I wanted it to look like 2001. So it's like you want a Roger Corman content, but you want Kubrick's uh, 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 production values, which I think are two very um, – they're on the other ends of the spectrum. You're going to offend someone's sensibilities there, whoever whoever you bring in to, to make this happen, come to life. Yeah. And he was also quite upset, I found uh, uh, surprising, that – the fact that uh, Ian Holmes' character ended up being an android, he, I, I guess he was upset that they needed more than just the monster. Yeah, he goes on to this big thing, uh, which I think precedes like our time as cinephiles. Clearly, when I'm using species as some sort of like cultural touchstone for my, my early development and my love of film, <laughs> uh, oftentimes in these uh, types of movies, like you know these... Uh, men on a mission type things or, you know, stranded out in the middle of nowhere or on a submarine, what have you, that there was a Russian spy element. That's why he says there's always like a, you know, the interior sort of force like working against them to make sure that the mission isn't completed. And I think there is something to that. Like, you know, it, you, you play it too strong, too hard. It's uh, it comes across as I think as a cheat to the audience where it's like, oh, OK, so that that's why. Like, you know, the stakes remain so high at all times, no matter what they do, because there's some idiot like monkeying with their plans behind their back. I don't think it really plays that way at all, though, an alien. I don't, I've never had an issue with it. And it's no, just, me neither. I mean, you know, once the, once the poor guy sticks his face, even though he is wearing the proper space helmet, mm-hmm. right up on that egg... There's not much the robot has to do. <laughs> right. Like once once they get there and investigate it and that creature comes aboard, uh, it kind of does all the heavy lifting for the android. It's a so. series of unfortunate events is, is what's happening. And and but <laughs> fortunate for you know Wayland Yutani. And, and I think that's something that he objected to. <laughs> that he's like, Oh, well, we don't need like an evil corporation. This film doesn't have to be about anything. And I was like, it's not a bad thing if it's about something. I don't mind a plot. Seem pretty, uh, pretty, uh, mad about the him being this his story being used for any sort of like political motivation, like that. that yeah, seemed bitter. I, I did respect the commentary for putting a guy on there that's like <laughs> daring to talk about this classic, this scripted written where you know it is the 40th anniversary edition that we're watching and it has still stood the test of time. And he is like, you know what? There's still some stuff that sucks here. But it's nothing <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> These idiots. <laughs> and uh, he and Ridley both are like, you know, back in the seventies, this was a big film. They're really trying to sell us on that. You know, like, Hey, if, even if you don't like this movie back in the seventies, it was important. And, and every movie nowadays has a creature that looks like ours, but back then it was great. And I'm like, is that necessarily true? When I went on that rant, I was like actually trying to think in my head. I'm like, which other creatures look like it's just a giant like penis head? Like what? I I don't think so. No, really, a mouth within a mouth. Like if you do any of those things, you're clearly labeled as like a ripoff. Like you, no no screenwriter or production designer in their right mind would ever try to copy this. I mean, okay, Jim Cameron and and David Fincher. You know, they yes, they used it, but because that's the. Uh, they're making a sequel, but outside of this franchise and, and outside of like maybe the asylum films, like the studios that purposely make ripoffs. I don't think there's another uh, uh, film franchise that has really taken uh, much from um, alien in terms of design. You're going to rip off HR Geiger. It, it, it's it's going to get known. I think uh, I would have given some pretty big props to, Jim from the office, if for a quiet place, he had just totally ripped off. (laughs) (laughs) And I think people would have been kind of cool with it. Yeah, cool. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, it's it's part of the connected universe now. Everybody would be into that stuff. But to the point you made about them coming across as defensive about its place in like Simac history. So this commentary track that we listened to came out in 2003. During that time period, was this like was this like the the low end of Alien? Like I'm trying to remember when AVP came out. Was it like a couple years later? It's possible. But as far back as my lifetime, I've always thought at least the first two are like have always been highly regarded. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, I wasn't a part I wasn't born when Alien came out and I discovered it. And I feel like even like my younger brother, you know, he's a fan of the Alien movies. He discovered them, too. And it's like so I, I don't think these are like <laughs> I don't think you need to frame it as like, yeah, it was a big in the 70s. type no. thing. And, and now it's not just the year prior to the commentary. It was selected by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So, I don't know. I I don't think they need to be so down on this movie. (laughs) And so I I think that's why this this commentary with uh, um, the the cut and paste and too many people really did feel jarring and and less than... um, not, I don't want to say informative. I think there was some good information there. But it didn't feel like it added anything more to the movie. In fact, it might have taken away just knowing some of the uh, some of <laughs> Dan O'Bannon's you know, um, uh, thoughts about uh, the, the Ash storyline. Here's a speaking of jarring, uh, I was (laughs) probably uh, just being me kind of uh, fascinated by Ridley Scott's own fascination with uh, bouncing the camera up and down to like, and he goes back that multiple times, like where that was like his line in the sand where it's like people are like, yeah, it's kind of. It's probably kind of hokey, you know, servidly. And he's like, damn it. (laughs) If you want me on this film, I'm going to bounce these seats as much as I want. (laughs) Of all things for him to like, and he goes back. He's like, that's, you know, if you're a young filmmaker, you know, you got to go with your, your gut. And I want those chairs to bounce by God. And no one was going to tell me otherwise. Absolutely. And what's funny. Okay. So he is absolutely one of the, um, uh, like a true workman. Like he can churn out these really great looking films year in and year out. And I love that he even in 2003 and maybe I don't, I'm not sure if this was already a done deal, but he was already talking about that space jockey. And he was like, man, I really, you know, I want to know where that came. Poor, poor Ripley, poor Sigourney Weaver <laughs> has made this iconic action hero character. And she's like, you know, there's 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 actually interest in a fifth one. You know, I mean, it's hard to you know figure out where you would go, but you know, I'm I'm kind of amazed. People are still, and he's like, you know what I'm interested in is going back to the past, not you. Yeah. It's like, I'm imagining them sing there, and he's like doing the Dave Chappelle gif, where he's just putting his hand on her face and just pushing her away. <laughs> like, if I go back into this, you're not involved. <laughs> Which I mean, clearly, there's not that animosity as far as how they're talking to one another, but he sort of just dismisses the possibility of like going back with Ripley and continuing that saga. And obviously we got Prometheus, you know, later on. And, and, and she actually succumbed to his, like, uh, she finally was like, yeah, you know what? That, that is interesting. <laughs> that is, you're right. I would like to know more. It's like, this would not Listen, pass the Delta. I was on set when he wanted to bounce those chairs. I'm just going to let him have this. Like he's not, <laughs> it's a dog with a bone here. 
Um, you know, he was coming off. I don't know when this was recorded, but Matchstick Men came out in 2003, which is a film I really like. Me too. Uh, I'm wondering, I'm just wondering if the defensiveness was coming off of Hannibal 2001. If maybe that was like the when they recorded this track, that was the last thing he had in release, and that was, uh, I guess a hit, but very divisive as far as uh, among the fan base there. Yeah, like it felt like it kind of killed the franchise. Well, the source material also was very, uh, uh, device and so i think the film was trying to fix some of those issues i haven't read the book i didn't think hannibal was th- the travesty that i think some people uh, um claim i thought it was quite good i love julianne Moore. i think she was great it's very well made and it's yeah. kind of kind of fun at times i mean <laughs> gary oldman is the world's you know most evil hog farmer yeah <laughs> that you'll ever meet <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Julian Moore, I, I think that maybe that was something it just couldn't recover from was that, you know, Jodie Foster is just so attached. Like it would be like Sigourney Weaver, you know, if, you know, <laughs> Ridley Scott, you know, pushing her away suddenly shows up with Julian Moore's Ripley in that time <laughs> period. You know, obviously True. people would be upset about that. No, I, I can understand. But you know what? It also differentiates, even though it's the same character that she plays, Hannibal still feels like a different like like something from a different series. It's like you just take the character, like something like a James Bond. Like you took Hannibal out of that story and put him into this other one. So it, it gives it its own kind of identity. Um, and and it, it's got some scenes that are quite actually quite gross. I saw this when I was an adult, but uh, even then I was just kind of like, this is this is unpleasant. Uh, but I, maybe that's the point. Uh, but I, I dug Hannibal. I thought it was a Look, sharply made. Ray Liotta was having a grand old time at that dinner party. Yeah, he was. <laughs> That's true. Oh, <laughs> I like that you knew exactly where I was going to as yeah. well. It's like, I think, is that the... Well, you know what? I know we're like <laughs> so far away from Alien right now, but have you seen the Hannibal TV show? Never did. Okay, well, they, they go through the events of the movie Hannibal um, and Red Dragon in one season, and it's actually quite interesting. Um so if you dig that, I'd like to uh, see what you thought about um, uh, the, the fun that's in Hannibal. I think I think it, uh, there is uh, some worthwhile material there. But uh, yeah, but back to Alien. Um, did the the scenes, uh, um, the, the iconic scene, the chest buster and, and all that, did they have the same effect on you? Like in this view, I know we were listening to the commentary, but you know, the first time you see it, I think there's no way that you can't not be affected by it. Is this like a diminishing returns thing for you or do you, are you still like, you know, you still get goosebumps? Yeah. I mean, I think from probably for the moments like that, it's, you know, I go back to like something like psycho and I think the shower sequence probably has quite a bit of diminishing returns. I mean, if you're looking at it from like a, a craftsmanship level, which watching alien, the commentary, like, did bring a little bit of the fun back to that sequence uh, because the actors uh, were talking about how they kind of knew what was going to happen, but also didn't really like they, there's a big emphasis on like that. He wanted to get their reaction to, to it as you know, they would react, but obviously (laughs) there's only so much you can do when you're like, we've got to set up the shot. And uh, I think it was the actress in the scene, uh, I'm trying to remember her name that gets, she gets blood all over her face. Uh, she, Veronica and Cartwright. And she plays Lambert. Yes. Uh, I, I always like that. She like was talking about how her character is both the wimp and the only reasonable <laughs> one on the ship. And I'm like, good, that's a good way to look at it. Um, but you know, she was talking about in that sequence that they had problems with the shirt, not ripping. And so they were like, okay. So they were kind of keyed into like, all right, something like they've got to do something with the, the shirt that they've, they've got to fix this. But 
um, it did like it made it made it more heightened where I actually was looking at their reactions more than I was looking at like this man's chest that just exploded. So in this regard, the commentary actually brought back a little bit of that that initial sort of excitement or like the sort of what the fuck moment of it. But I'd say generally speaking on rewatch, I think you, you, you probably like key into the stuff that aren't, you know, is not the necessarily the big moments. <laughs> Ripley, like her. And that's one thing I really liked about the commentary. And I don't remember who said it, but they were talking about how, like when they were on the set, Scorning Weaver didn't look like she was like doing anything. Yeah. Like, like she was acting. Yeah. And then they would watch the dailies and they'd be like, well, fuck. She's great. Look at that. Like, it's all like, it is like a very like tight performance. Like it's all in the eyes and she's like, she's not doing anything with her hands. She's not doing anything very accurately, very stagey, but she's just sort of taking it all in and reacting to it, knowing that it's going to play well when her face is blown up on a huge screen. Uh, I liked that moment. And I'd probably like focus more on that. Like just, and I don't know about you, but knowing what Ripley will become, it's, it is strange, like, on rewatch, when you think, like, if you don't know that, she kind of plays like she's, like, the fourth lead or something. She wouldn't necessarily be the hero, and I've always really admired that about Alien. Absolutely. And and the people that, and I, I, now, even though I love Aliens, and I think I, I do like it more than Alien, there are people who, like, absolutely love it, and they think Alien is just super boring. Watching the film with commentary, and that you get to start, you start point the, the actors start pointing this stuff out, really makes me appreciate the first film and, and how it takes its time. And it's like it, it exists on its own merits and on its own uh, agenda. And and yes, absolutely. She does play like a fourth lead. Um, uh, if you don't know anything about uh, the future film, then then that's something that uh, Scott himself says on on his part of the commentary track where he's like, you know, watching again now. He's like, yeah, I wouldn't make it this way. I'd probably like I'd, I'd trim this down or, he's, or he'd say that he was kind of afraid that if he was making something like this now, that that would be his inclination. And it, there was almost like a little bit of admiration for like the, you know, the balls on this previous version of himself, the younger version where he'd be like, no, no, let's just hold it. Let's just hold this moment until it's like mm-hmm. almost unbearable for something to happen. And then he kind of points out the cheap gags, like, you know, something falling over or the cat, you know, the, <laughs> the cat, the poor cat, which they terrorized with the German shepherd on a <laughs> leash to get him to react to this alien that wasn't there. Um, but I've, I've heard stuff like that before, you know, I think Paul Thomas Anderson, I think when he was on the Mark Maron podcast was asked about Magnolia and he's like, Oh, I'd chop out a half hour. (laughs) He's like, you know, but it's like, then it's, it's not a movie made by like a ballsy young guy who thinks like he's making the greatest thing in the world. So, you know, you gotta, gotta jar those seats, man, while you can, before you lose it, before you lose even interest in bouncing seats up and down. You might never get another opportunity. Like I, I want, I love filmmakers who like go for broke. Um, and take the shot. I'd rather see an interesting failure than like a bland, like, okay, yeah, this is kind of what I expect by the numbers type thing. Um, and that's what Ridley did. And that's what kind of keeps, he's still like a firecracker. You know, he is so excited about making like the third of his, uh, prequel aliens, um, trilogy. <laughs> and I hope he gets a chance to still wants no part of Sigourney. Weaver. Want the <laughs> no. thing. I think he wants to eventually connect it. I think that was the goal, but I, yeah, Dude, I don't know. How old is he? Like, come on, man. Like that's it. Now's the time. Like he's, uh, he's born in 37. Jesus. All right. So right now he yeah. would have to ask Disney, right? <laughs> Cause don't they own alien at this point? Yeah. Which, you know, given their, uh, 
their their sort of strategy. I think you know an IP that's uh, you know a classic. I think they would probably sure they would do it and they'd put it on whatever streaming service. I guess it would have to be Hulu now. It couldn't be Disney Plus because no, no, not not rated R. And you know what? Look at all that Avengers money. Can we give a little bit to Ridley Scott <laughs> to let him complete? He could drop dead tomorrow. I need. I want him to keep working. You know, as it's much a little as bit. I don't want to scare away any you know, listeners we have here uh, <laughs> on this sort of pilot episode, but a little bit like a, to use a basketball analogy, like the joining the Golden State Warriors at this point, where it's like, you know what? Uh, poor Alien was out there having to go up in the summer months against like the comic book movies. Like now, now they can now they can protect him. Like yeah, they can get him the open <laughs> shot, find a nice date for him, uh, and it'll be fine. But I I do think that as much as they've you know Prometheus was kind of their one shot. You know, to like, you know, we're going to answer the big questions. And then that was extremely divisive. That's when we ought to, I don't know if that has an interesting commentary track, but I know you and I are kind of like, <laughs> kind of like protective of that movie. Cause we so, are. I remember going, I remember going to see it with friends and they came out fucking furious. <laughs> and they're like, that was the biggest piece of shit. And I was like, I kind of liked it. I kind of took it. I, I yeah, like stupid it at times, but it wasn't about because it wasn't about alien or the franchise, like almost at all. Um, and, and there is, I think like a four hour documentary, um about prometheus uh and and <laughs> the writers like all six of them that worked on this film are upset at one another because one after another <laughs> they came in and they changed shit from the previous <laughs> so that film really is kind of a uh what is it, a platypus you know a, a film made by this committee that so didn't have a marketing hook for you <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I like what ultimately, you know, hey, I like this platypus. Um, and I'm glad because it gave us Alien Covenant, which is a movie that should not exist, but I'm so happy that it does. Um, it, it gives us, you know, Fassbender uh, being being him uh, himself in, in the most like extreme way. I, I, I loved it. So I do hope we well, can I mean, see. I think, I think you're being a little bit dismissive of shame, sir. I think that was Fassbender in his most extreme way. <laughs> okay, that's, that's <laughs> true. Okay, I'll give you that. No need for, uh, you know, uh, an alien when he can just <laughs> drop trap and terrorize everyone on set. think that uh you're you're like a better person for having uh, uh you know listened to this commentary or you have a better appreciation for alien mm. after this commentary i had a smart ass uh, reply to you because i actually did enjoy it um <laughs> because uh initially when you know we'd been kicking around the idea of doing this type of podcast because you and i like privately like a lot of our conversations are about that and even in this digital age, the collector mentality of like, what extras are you getting? And so, I mean, I can only imagine if you and I knew each other during the DVD explosion, as far as like the glory days of all these extra features and you know, repackaging the, you know, the deluxe edition. Uh, but we, we had, I think it was like last, it was last Halloween. And you're like, Hey, let's scream. I was like, give me something with a commentary track that you want to rewatch and scream. So I rewatched scream one and two enjoyed myself and then I'm like, cool, man, I'm getting, you know, I haven't watched the commentaries yet, but watch the movies. And you're like, 
Man, he's like, the commentary track's really boring. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. (laughs) So uh, this time you seem to be a little bit more down on the commentary track than me. I thought it was fairly breezy. There's definitely like some people when they would, when they would like go to their track i'd be like oh, okay like and that it probably unfortunately the screenwriter just because when he would start to go on a tangent about like what they changed i'm like come on dude like it worked out for the better but my answer my smart ass answer to that now that i've told you that it was you know it was a worthy project worthy use of my morning to revisit this classic was <laughs> about eight and a half minutes in when it's revealed that uh sigourney weaver came in for the uh casting and didn't even say a line like really scott was like when he just saw her uh, that she got the part and she seems kind of like kind of taken aback and kind of also like oh so it had like nothing to do with my actual like craft nothing <laughs> to do with my actual acting i just walked in and i was tall and she just sort of laments like that her uh her wearing her hooker boots is what got her the role <laughs> that's this, right like, you know this sort of feminist icon you know you know ripley just this uh action star um so yeah that was when i was like all right you know sometimes sometimes it's just luck as much as we can like we can give all this like acclaim to Ridley Scott and he is like a visual genius. Um, you know, it's just Sigourney Weaver walking in in her hooker boots and maybe he's just like, <laughs> I like the way that looks. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go make a classic. <laughs> Absolutely. Right away. He was imagining that, that, that final sequence, the, 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 the tiny underwear shot. He was ready for it. Really, really uncomfortably like tiny. Yeah, like, not... Why? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Uncomfortable for like the wearer. Like what? Are you doing? <laughs> like why? Did they not have uh, I guess thong panties at the the time? Because that's basically what they're going for. But it's like the, <laughs> there was someone that was like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> I've got an idea <laughs> how to fix this." Um, I'd like to say that I probably I probably was not thinking as a young man of uh, Miss Weaver's comfort at the time. Yeah. I was probably just happy. I'm like, wow, they're just giving us some <laughs> some ass crack there for really no reason. But uh, yeah, no, okay. Now we're ending on a really pervy note, but it's a podcast, of course, a movie podcast with two guys. Yeah, so that's true. Here we are. But what about you? Anything enlightening about this one? Um, a few tidbits here and there that I I think I would have picked up on probably in the IMDb trivia page. Um, I, I wish there was a little more cohesion among um, and, and you know, in the, if that's the case, like I wish there was only two or three people that were discussing the film. Um, rather than the cut, which case. two, which two or three do you think are the most interesting, or would have the best chemistry to do? You know, to do like a classic commentary track like Mallrats. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think I would want Ridley Scott just because. Wow. Okay. Because I've, I, I've seen his work in terms of commentaries, and I think I'm good. I would love to see Sigourney Weaver. I think um, do a full track because she is. So such a big part of the franchise. I would love to see where her mindset was in this film, especially in relation to all the others. Uh, I'm thinking back. I, I think John Hurt would be great as well. And, and Ian Holm. I think those three. I would like to see the on-screen talent <laughs> uh, behind the scenes a little bit more. Not that not that uh, Veronica Cartwright um, and, and, and Harry Dean Stanton weren't great, but uh, I, I would like to see the main the, – the three people that I think um, – and the three characters that we think about most when we think about the original Alien. Well, I, I want a far more aggressive and less jovial commentary because I want Sir Ridley Scott on there. I want Dan O'Bannon on there with all of his complaints. I want them in the room together. I would love but to see as, that, actually. Yeah, the two of them just arguing the whole time. As the middleman, I and I was I'm always really interested in the uh, whenever they have an editor 
on a comic yeah. track, Terry Rawlings. I thought he actually, as far as me trying to like learn a bit about like how this thing like came to be the happy accidents that I'm kind of interested in, like the hooker boot story. <laughs> um, I think he had some good, you know, insight there and he, he had one little bit, it wasn't like particular to alien, but he was basically like saying like, you kind of get used to a way of like cutting a scene or cutting a story together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but then you can, there's something that like you can't really like teach. You just kind of have to do it. So it's like, he would tell like someone else if they asked him advice, like, Oh, here are the things you don't do. But then when he's actually working on a film, he'd be like, yeah, but what about that thing we don't normally do? Like, you know what I mean? He's, so he's, he was admitting he's sort of like talking out of both sides of his mouth. I thought that was kind of interesting. But one, one more thing on, uh, uh, O'Bannon here was he, uh, he had one line, which kind of fits with like, his entire viewpoint of like less, like he just wants to cut this down the bare bones. <laughs> yeah. Was about the hour mark. He's talking about how he had zero interest in the character's backstory. Yes. Um, yes. He said, I, did, I didn't want to stop and tell the life stories of these characters because I, I didn't care. I cared about the monster that was going to kill them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, he, he's definitely like wearing with pride that sort of like Roger Corman, mm-hmm. like this is a monster movie. It's about the monster. These people are just here to die. Uh, but I think that's the that's also the the greatness of having someone like Harry Dean Stanton that's gonna bring his own backstory of I was thinking of pussy for two straight years <laughs> yes. of cryogenic sleep. So that you know the actors will handle it themselves. And that's that's really the what you have to do when when you don't have enough time in a film to set all that up. The actors have to bring in a, a, a lot um, in terms of their personality into these roles that are good, literally there for, you know, alien fodder. And I think this film did a pretty good job in that regard. Outside of the top three, uh, everyone else, I think, um, did enough for me to be like, all right, right on. Uh, kept me going until we did have those uh, the monster shots. The butt crack. The butt yeah, crack. That's <laughs> you know what? I, one last thing before the butt crack I thought was interesting is that originally it seemed like they were going to have some some nipple shots as well, but everything had to be covered <laughs> because they wouldn't be able to release the movie in like three or four uh, countries. And, I, and I'm, you know, it, it, it always stinks when 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 you know money making strategies gets in the way of artistic integrity. So, so yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> this has been Commentary Trek by Mike and Webb. The musical score is Kiago Kult by Serge Gainsbourg and Jean-Claude Vanier.
this was one that could have played. I, I know uh, in one of our earlier like Twitter conversations, mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're getting to know each other. Um, you revealed that you uh, you ripped them to MP3s yeah. and listened to them in the car. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I remember thinking like, what a weird fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> But, but it wasn't probably like 15 seconds later. I'm like, how do I do that? How do I, like, 